Good morning, everyone. I hope you're doing well this morning. Uh, Today, we conclude our series, uh, Lion Tamer. We're in week five. And it's interesting because the song that we just sang, You're All I Need, that song is something that we're going to be focusing on here for the next few minutes as we wrap things up in the life of Daniel. And today, uh, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Daniel, although we're going to be all over the place in Daniel. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know about you, I love the fall season. Man, isn't it? It's so finally nice to have it a little bit cooler, isn't it? Some of you are like, nope, not at all. I see you shaking your head. You're like, nope, I need to go further south. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I, I was ready for the fall, and part of that is because I, I have a lot of memories as a kid of, the, of fall. And, you know, for some of you, you have kids, this, you know, kids, and they're at the age uh, mine are getting past this age, uh, but this week they'll dress up and they'll, they'll, you know, for Halloween and they'll wear some kind of costume and go collect a bunch of candy and maybe char- if they're like Charlie Brown, a rock. And so anyway, they'll dress up. And when I was a kid, um, I grew up in a Presbyterian home. And so we didn't have Halloween. Um, we had Reformation Day. All right, and so Reformation Day was um, really kind of, now that I look back on it, it's really cool that we did that because it kind of burned into my memory, memory burn there, and it was something that I remember. I don't think I liked it at the time uh, because I wanted to be like all my friends and dress up, and so uh, we had Reformation Day where we talked about um, what happened uh, so long ago back in uh, the 1500s, and it was actually in 1517, 500 years ago, that a monk, kind of an unknown priest, German priest in the Catholic Church, began to do something remarkable. He opened up the Word of God, and he began to read it. <laughs> and as he read it, he realized what a difference the church had become, the institutional church had become, from what the Word of God says. And as he read, he realized that indulgences wouldn't get you to heaven. Good works wouldn't get you to heaven. Being a good person, saying the right things, praying the right prayer, singing the right songs wouldn't get you to heaven. As he read God's word, he realized that the truth of God's word is is what gets you to heaven is a faith in the redemption of of God through his son, Jesus Christ, and his death and his resurrection, his death on the cross and his resurrection three days later. And so this little known monk, this young priest began to write about this and he took his writings 95 theses and many of you know the story and he nailed it to the door of the Wittenberg chapel there in Germany not the Sistine chapel that's what most people will say totally different story a story for another time but Martin Luther as a very ordinary person, did something extraordinary for God. And three years later, he was excommunicated from the church, kicked out, rejected and ridiculed, because he went back to the word of God and he said, this is not the way it should be. This is the way it should be. And I didn't like it at the time, but I love the fact that in my home and in the church culture I grew up in, they instilled this idea of remembering probably the most important event that's happened since really, I don't know, maybe the, you know, the first hundred years after Jesus was on the earth. And I think it's so interesting that God used such an ordinary person to do something extraordinary in the world because without that faith, without that courage, without that strong stance, we wouldn't be here today. 
Perhaps the Western world wouldn't look like what it does today, or at least like it has the last hundred years or so, or a couple hundred years. And so we celebrate this week and this month, the 500th year of the Protestant Reformation, the Great Reformation, where the church changed and got back to the real meaning of salvation and all the different things that connect to that, and it's really remarkable. But you know, God is in the business, I want you to hear this this morning, God is in the business of using extraordinary people to accomplish extraordinary things. That's what he does. He uses someone just like this little-known priest, this little-known monk by the name of Martin Luther. And he used many people along the way who had very ordinary lives to do extraordinary things. And that's the story of Daniel. And church, it can be the story of you and it can be the story of me. It can be the story of Hilton Head Island Community Church as well. We can accomplish great things for God even in our ordinary lives. And I realize that a lot of you are like, man, my life is so boring. It is so vanilla. Sorry if you like vanilla. It is so like just nothing exciting. How in the world can God use me? I'm underqualified. I'm undereducated. I don't know enough about the Bible. I really like get you know, weak need when, when I'm asked to stand. Man, the example of Daniel is the example to look to. And so today we want to take a look at the life of Daniel and kind of what the, what the final outcome was, what the, the end of the story is, if you will, because God did amazing things through this very ordinary young man who was taken out of his hometown of Jerusalem into exile, into Babylon, into this terribly violent, uh, evil territory to try to live and to try to live for God's purpose. And I'm sure it was incredibly difficult. And we see in the first six chapters in Daniel how difficult it was. But this everyday influencer for God, this, extraordinary, or this ordinary person for God was used in an extraordinary way to pave the way for so many things. He chose to eat right. He, spoke to, uh, he chose to tell the truth when the truth needed to be tell, told, even though it was very difficult. He chose, he and his friends, to stand when the king wanted them to bow and they got on their knees and praised God when they were supposed to stand. And these guys were strong for the Lord. And God took these ordinary men and this ordinary man and did amazing things. And they became examples of what it means to influence the influencer for God. See, they prepared the heart of the Jewish people when they were in exile, those ones that were in Babylon, to to be able to worship God through one of the most difficult times in Jewish history. They paved the way for the Jews to be released not too long later from Babylon and returned back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. They changed the hearts of many of the men who were in power of the day, these ruthless and violent leaders. Check this out. These lions were tamed. The first one is pretty familiar. It's Nebuchadnezzar. And his heart turned to God at the end of his life. Yeah, Nebuchadnezzar's heart turned to God at the end of his life. Check this out in Daniel 4, 36 through 37. Here's the result of Daniel standing for God. At the same time, this is Nebuchadnezzar actually writing. It's kind of like Daniel wrote the book, but he asked Nebuchadnezzar to play a part in it. And he says at the same time, this is after Nebuchadnezzar had this crazy time where he acted like an animal and something overcame him. At the same time, my reason returned to me. And for the glory of my kingdom, my majesty and splendor returned to me. He says, my counselors and my Lord, they sought me. 
And I will establish in my kingdom and will, and still more greatness was added to me. And then he says this, now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and extol and honor the king of heaven. For all of his works are right and his ways are just. And those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. That's a man who had just experienced how the pride will be humbled. Those who are proud will be humbled. And so we see that Daniel's choice to tell the truth to a ruthless king, a ruthless uh, ruler, a ruthless leader, led to this leader's heart being changed, an influencer of influencers. Belshazzar, who the Bible says was, was the son of Nebuchadnezzar, probably means more like grandson or maybe even great-grandson. Belshazzar, who was in charge, who was at least uh, had, had uh, power and authority, but not much is, is spoken beyond him, he ended up honoring the man that God used to explain this crazy dream that he had about the, the right handwriting on the wall. And we see it in Daniel 5.29. Then Belshazzar gave the command. Daniel was clothed with purple. A chain of gold was put around his neck. A proclamation was made about him that he should be the third ruler in the kingdom. And so he honored Daniel. He honored the man of God. Now in this story, his life ends right after this. Belshazzar's life ends right after this. So we don't see or we don't see it recorded if his heart actually turned towards God. But we do get the indication that because of Daniel's strength, because of his stand for God, this king's heart was at least turned to honor the man of God. And then last week we studied about Darius or Darius. You can call him Darius. And Darius was a friend of the people of God or God's people. We see that in Daniel 6, 25 through 27. Then King Darius, who was the first of that um, uh, Mede-Persian king. It was the transition from Babylon to the Medes and the Persians. And man, the, the, things were changing in the world, not just where Daniel was, not just where uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were. It was changing all over the known world at the time. And this king, who became a very powerful king... He says, he wrote to all the peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. He says, peace be multiplied to you. I make a decree that in all of my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his dominion shall be to the end. He delivers and he rescues In verse 27, he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has saved Daniel from the power of the lions. King Darius saw Daniel in that den of lions and thought there's only one true God. And so we see that because of Daniel's stand for God, because of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's stand for God, that they became lion tamers, that they stood when they were asked to stand for the things of God, and they stood against the things that weren't of God and the people that weren't of God, and they stood up and they stood strong and they were courageous, these ordinary young men that were in exile from Jerusalem. They were in captivity, essentially away from their homeland. And so over the course of these last few weeks, we've learned four things. That we become lion tamers when we are committed to personal integrity, 
that we are committed to becoming a, a lion tamer, when we're, we're committed to uh, personal integrity, to, to effectively speak the truth, to take a stand regardless of the outcome. That's what we saw with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that even if God wouldn't provide, that they were going to remain faithful, and to protect our private time with God. Daniel, doing the thing that he always did in the face of King Darius, he met with God and prayed. And that's what held him strong. But, you know, I got thinking about this um, in preparing for the series. And I got thinking if, if you were to uh, list these things, you know, becoming you know, a lion tamer, becoming an influencer of influencers takes integrity. And, oh, man, it, it takes effectively speaking the truth and taking a stand regardless of the outcome. It, it requires us to have private time with God. Like, you can get at least three of those four things by attending a great self-help seminar. Or listening to a, a great business podcast, right? Or maybe reading a book on how to be an influencer of influencers. I mean, I used to work for John Maxwell. I get it. He's got at least 50, okay? So they're out there, and you can get them, and they're great. Man, I, I just threw my old boss under the bus. I didn't mean to do that, John. But anyway, like, you can get that stuff. And maybe the third one you can't get from every podcast, but i got to be honest with you, those first three, if we do that in a vacuum, if we do that without this last thing that we're going to talk about today, we're just ordinary, or we're just everyday lion tamers. We're just people who, man, we figured out a way to have influence with influencers. We figured out a way to stand strong for some kind of change and perhaps we did it for God, or perhaps we did it for ourselves, or perhaps we did it for some kind of movement. And you know what? We're just like every other lion tamer out there. And i got to be honest with you today that that's not what God has called us to. That's, what, that's not what God has called his people, the church, to. He hasn't called you to be an everyday lion tamer just like every other one that comes along that goes to a great seminar, listens to a great podcast, or reads a great book. He's called us to do something for him. And if there's one thing that was common for Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and all the people, Martin Luther, and, and so many of the people, we talked about Billy Graham a few weeks ago, so many of the people that God has used to change the world for him and for his purpose is that they relied completely on God. And they realized that they really aren't the lion tamer. He is the lion tamer. He's the source of their strength. And that's what separates Daniel from just everyday lion tamers. Is that he understood the power of God in his effort. You see, you can be used to accomplish great or good or small things for God, but you cannot do it without him. I can't do it without him. You can't do it without him. We as a church can't do it without him. Martin Luther could have not done it without God, could, could not have done it without God. Billy Graham couldn't done, have done it without God. Daniel couldn't have done it without God. And as much as some of you are like, well, of course, Todd, that goes without saying. If we truly understood that concept, there would be more lion tamers today. Am I right? 
there'd be more men and women at every age, at every demographic, in every culture, in every community standing for God. You see, I think this is the piece that is, is most easy for Christ followers to miss. We focus so much on, on this we focus so much on preparing ourselves and self-help and getting the right tools and getting the right education and focus on the right things and building ourselves up so that we can make a difference. And that is all great and it's good. But if we miss this last thing, I don't believe that God will bless us. And Daniel and his friends understood, if you read all of Daniel, their foundation, they understood that their foundation really needed to be and was built on an appeal for God's help over and over and over again, a recognition of God's provision and a trust in God's salvation. And if we talk about being lion tamers and all we do is talk about the self-help part of this, we are absolutely missing it. You and I, listen, listen, I want you to hear this. We cannot individually in our homes, in our businesses, in our schools, as a church, with our marriages, with our finances, with anything that we are facing, we cannot absolutely cannot accomplish anything significant for God if we attempt to accomplish it without him. And so often we do just that. We go into the battle prepared in this and unprepared right here. Set ourselves up for an easy ambush by the enemy because he's the real lion, isn't he? We set ourselves up to be taken captive by something that we never thought would happen. I love the psalmist and the, the writer of Proverbs. They understood this. David says this in Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2. He says, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come from? He says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Uh, David uh, did a remarkable things for God. Wouldn't you agree with that? Was he ordinary? He had the most ordinary job of anyone. What was he? He was a shepherd. He was a shepherd. He was young. He, he didn't have any potential for, for real influence until he became king, yet God used him in remarkable ways before he became king. And I think the key is, I know the key is, is that he understood that his help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. <laughs> the writer of Proverbs, who happens to be, in, in most cases, David's son Solomon, says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, in Psalm three, or Proverbs 3, 5 through 8, and do not lean on your own. What does it say? What's that last word? Understanding. How many times do we do that? Oh, man, we get the plan together. We've got the Excel sheet. We've got the business plan developed. We've got the whole thing taken care of. And we go into battle, and what, what have we forgotten to do? We've forgotten to rely on God. Part of the reason I know this so well is, guess what? I've done it a hundred times myself. I'm ready to stand up against the lions, and I'm leaning on my own understanding. He goes on in verse 6. says, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make... What's that next word? Straight your paths. Some of you are in here today and, man, your path is anything but straight. 
You want to accomplish great things for God, but if you're really honest right now, your own life and your own path, like there needs to be caution signs along the way because there are curves and uh, there are hairpin turns and it, you're, you're right on the verge of going off the cliff. <laughs> he will make your path straight. He is the one who decided to set the stage for Daniel to do the work that he did. He's the one that Daniel went to his friends and said, I need you all to pray for wisdom right now because we are going to need it in this land. <laughs> in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make, your, your straight, make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. He also says, I think I missed this one in Proverbs 16, 3. Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. <laughs> Commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established. You see, I, I believe that God's got some great things for us as a church. I, I believe that we live in a time where our values as Christians are being tested um, be, beyond any other time in society. Let's just face it, it's the truth. And, and Daniel did an amazing job, and, he, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did an amazing job of being diplomatic, yet doing the work of God. They had respect for those who were in power. They didn't enter into civil disobedience except when it came to them worshiping someone other than the one true God. These men were honorable, full of integrity. But their foundation was as they relied on God Almighty to prepare the way. And they relied on him every step of the way. We just um, kind of kicked off at our 10-year anniversary this whole idea for HHI. And, and man, if there's um, you know, a few things you know, as, as the pastor, leader of this church that, that I want us to do a better job on. Everyone's like, man, we, you guys do a great job in the community. I want to be better at being a community church. It's our middle name. We say that kind of tongue-in-cheek, but it is. It's true. I, I want to be better at it, and so we're beginning this new effort to be more involved in the, in, in the life of our community, and um, we've got Scott McKay as our community pastor. who just came on a few weeks ago, community and adults pastor. He's doing an amazing job. Scott, Joe, we're so glad to have you guys on board. Um, I, I love what he's doing in our community already, and you guys are going to be a part of that. I'm so excited about it, but y'all, if all we do is strategize and scheme and come up with plans, if all we do is, is like say, hey, we just need to go influence the influencers in our community and then we can have a great opportunity for the gospel to be spread if all we do is rely on ourselves we i promise you we will fail <laughs> that's your pep speech this morning yeah say anyway but if we rely on the one who spun the stars into space who created this amazing place that we live in who thought it best to redeem us from our sins he didn't have to do that by sending his own son who was perfect he didn't have to do that part or in that way to die for our sins to rise again three days later he didn't have to do any of that and he chose to because he's a loving caring god if the god of the universe that's all sovereign and all in control loves us enough why shouldn't we rely on him to make our path straight so as I think about 4-HHI, I mean, we're going to have to rely on God for that. 
We're going to have to commit our ways as a church to him. We've got amazing things that I can't wait to tell you about. We're going to be talking about it at the beginning of the year for Hilton Head Island Community Church as well. Oh, man, it's really cool what God is doing, and there's some things that I just, I'm chomping at the bit to be able to tell you, and I can't yet. It's amazing. But if we go into that, and all we have is a great business plan, we'll fail. If all we have is is a great opportunity to, to, you know, have better influence in this community because of our our church and and who we are and that sort of thing, um, if all we do is have all these plans, it'll fail. Because we need to recognize who's in charge. We need to recognize where our help comes from, and it comes from him. And if you're here today and you're like, man, I really am struggling in this one area to have influence. I am beating my head against the wall to have influence. And I am striving and striving and striving to make strides for my family or for my finances or for my impact on the gospel message, or for you know, biblical values in my community, or in the workplace, or in students in your schools, and you just seem to keep failing, maybe this is the thing that we need to take a look at and inspect, and ask ourselves the question, am I trying to accomplish great things without him? Because if we do that, we're going to fail. And if there's any thread that separated Daniel from the rest of the pack, it's the fact that he understood the concept that the final outcome is not determined by him. It's determined by God. And that's true in the life of our church, and it's true in your lives. We cannot accomplish anything significant for God if we attempt to accomplish it without him. And so the question I want to ask you today is, is, are you trying to do this life without him? Are you trying to accomplish great things? And I want to talk to you who are already God followers, who are already Christ followers. Are you trying to do these things without appealing to God? And today's a kind of a day of decision. Today's a day where maybe it's time for you to draw a line in the sand and say, you know what, I've got to stop leaning on just my own understanding. Yes, you have to do that part as well. But listen, I'm not, I'm not a believer at all in, well, you know, God will just handle that. He is going to use you to handle that. But we also have to rely on him. And so if you're here today, and you've been relying on yourself or other people or other situations or other movements to solve the problem that you feel like God has called you to solve, and it could be as simple as something as standing in your family because there's a little lion in your family that is challenging the values that you set up as husband and wife or mom or dad. Or if you're a single parent in here and you're struggling with the issue of trying to stand when it is so hard because it's been ripped apart recently. And man, it's so difficult. And all you're doing is relying on yourself, relying on yourself, relying on yourself. Or maybe you're here today and you're a businessman or a businesswoman. And you're being asked to do something that you know you need to stand up for. Or maybe you're being asked to not do something that you know you should. And you've been relying on yourself. Today is your day to stand up and to stand strong. And to choose to be a Daniel by relying on God. By inviting him into the process. And if you're at the beginning of the process, invite him in now. Early on. So that he can make your way 
straight. If I look back over the course of my life during a period of time when uh, I'm just going to be honest with you, I I suffered with um, some depression. Uh, I suffered with self-doubt. I suffered with a little bit of questioning whether I'm good enough as a husband and as a dad and as a pastor and as a man and as as a person who who God has called to do this thing. Um, If I am really gut level honest with you, where that began to be a question in my own life when I went through that season was when I began to not rely on God for my help. And I began to think that I could do it by myself or that few people could do it without him or if we had the greatest business plan or this or that or the other, we could just do it. And that's going to fail every single time. So today, I'm going to ask you, when we pray, I'm going to ask you to do something bold. I'm going to ask you today um, that if you're struggling with this and you want to invite God into what you're doing and when we pray here in a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer, a prayer of boldness, a prayer of courage, but a prayer of inviting God into the situations in your life that are really kind of crooked right now that need to be made straight. And so would you pray with me this morning? Father God, I just thank you so much for this great example of Daniel. God, I thank you for the great example of the men and the women who have come before Daniel and after Daniel who have also been bold, who have also been courageous, who have also chosen to stand for you. And the story of Daniel is is a story of someone standing in the midst of circumstances and situations where his decision to stand could have cost him his life. It certainly could have cost him his influence, and yet he stood for you anyway. And God, I want to pray right now for those who are in this room And right now, they're trying to stand for you, and it might be in small ways, certainly not as um, significant or as large as Daniel or Martin Luther, but God, in their life, it looms large. It's going to make or break their family's future, or it's going to send them down a path of choosing you in their business ventures or in their education ventures. And God, right now, um, they're just really struggling to invite you into that process, to rely on you, to understand that you are the one that will make their path straight. And God, I pray for those who are in here today who really, if they really were to peel back the layers like I was a few years ago, were realizing that they they think that they can accomplish something great in their family or in their home or in their school and neighborhood or community. They think they can accomplish it without you. And God, right now, I pray that you would allow them to stand up for you. If you're here today and you just are really honest and you're like, I'm just struggling in this area and I just need Todd for you to pray over me, I'm gonna ask you to stand right now. I'm gonna ask you to be bold enough to stand up right now, just in the quietness of this room, Just with every head bowed and every eye closed, just stand up for a moment. Awesome, awesome, awesome. God, I just thank you for those who are standing right now, who are recognizing with great boldness, God, that they need you. I'm going to ask you to pray this just in the quietness of your heart. If you want to pray it out loud, you can. It's just a short prayer. It's a prayer that I came up with. It's something similar that I prayed a few years ago when I was struggling in this same area. And it goes like this. 
God, I know that I can do what's possible and what's conceivable. But right now, I invite you, God, into my current situation. I'm asking that you help me to stand for you. I'm asking that you would help me to tame the lion in my life. And I'm asking that you would help me in what is inconceivable and what is impossible. And I commit my ways to you. If you're around someone who stood, I'm going to ask you to stand up next to them and just uh, put your arm on their shoulder or put your arm around them. And let's just, um, as a church, support each other right now. Father God, I pray for those who are standing. God, I pray that they would have the courage to, to be able to stand for you in whatever environment you're asking them. And perhaps their lion is, is a movement. Perhaps it's a situation. Perhaps it's not a person. God, perhaps it's some kind of temptation that's dragging them down into sin and away from you. God, I pray that you would release them from that, that you would give them victory over that. And God, I pray for those who are here and the reason they're standing and inviting you into their situation is because their lion is a person and their lion has a face and it has a name. And God, I pray in the strong name of Jesus that you would be with those who are bold enough to stand. God, that you would give them the power and the courage to do with you what is impossible and to have power and the courage to do with you what seems inconceivable, God. I pray for victory today. And God, I pray that you would be the God of victory because we know that you're the one who had the power over salvation. God, you had the power over sin. You had the power over death itself. <laughs> and God, we rely on you. We rely on you as a church to go before us. We rely on you as people who are Christ followers to go before us. God, may we follow you. May we never give up. In Jesus' name, I pray and all God's people said, amen.